Southern Company is proud to support its veterans for Veterans Day and every day of the year. Rick Gayhart, a Southern Nuclear Fleet Training Director, and Ren Lawson, a Southern Power Renewable Ops Center Specialist, talk about their time in the Navy on nuclear submarines and how those experiences help shape their careers. Well, Ren's nice meeting you this morning. You too, Mr. Rick. So uh, you said you're in the Navy? I was a Navy nuclear guy. Uh, yes, sir. What rate? Uh, electrician. Okay. I was I was on the, in the nuclear Navy, too. I was a electronics technician. Okay. I, I left as a first-class petty officer. Okay. I was in about eight years, nine months, and I had been offered the position of chief, but at that time they said you got to stay for another two years if you want to put on the chief. They do uniform. put the khakis on. That's right. I so got you. I got you. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. Yeah. How long were you in? I was in almost six years. I, I I ended up getting sick, and they had to disqualify me from the nuclear program. Oh, how did? Uh, what, what submarine were you on? I was on Lewis and Clark out of Charleston. Okay, you stayed on the East Coast. I went to the West Coast. So. West Coast cellar. Okay, good. Yeah, I was up at Bangor, Washington. Okay. On the uh, USS Ohio. So That's a Trident a, class. Trident boat. Yeah. Trident boat. Yeah. I, I never got to those. I was on a, a, was a just regular boomer Polaris class. Well, at least we're only on the patrols out for about three months. Is that for, what your rotation 75 is? days underwater. Yeah. You know? Yeah, those those were the those were hard times yeah. when you think about it. I know that uh, the fast attack sailors they were gone quite a bit longer, but I mean we stayed under that whole seventy five days. We were underwater pretty much. We we hit a port or two every now and then. Yeah, well, ours weren't very fun up in the north. The only fun place I went to was Hawaii. Well, that's nicer than I got to. I went, <laughs> went to Italy. Went to, to Naples. Oh, you got okay. You went across the Atlantic. Sure. Yeah, it was North Atlantic boat yeah, playing in the Cold War. Chase, yeah. Chasing Russians. Yeah. Well, I'm sure your water, like us, our water temperature was usually around 35, 34 degrees. I, I could always tell where I was at by, <laughs> by water, well, seawater sea injection temperature. <laughs> now, did uh, when you were in, you in the whole time on the subs? I went to, to nuclear power school first. Well, I actually went to, to electrical school up in up in Great Lakes, Illinois. And from there, they, you know, they send you to, to your to your nuclear power school power school that was in orlando so I spent about six months there going through that and then they sent me to up in upstate new york to the the big round ball dig oh you D went to dig d1g yeah yeah my, mine was very similar i started out in great lakes i went to orlando and i ended up in idaho so that's why i think i ended up on the on the west coast but yeah. i was a, a s1w okay so yes yes so you were the dig the I think that was the only one we ever had. Like right? a cruiser, yeah. That's cru the same reactor set up for like a cruiser or maybe an aircraft carrier. I think. I was surprised they didn't, they didn't send me to the surface fleet. They sent me to the subs. So yeah, when I tell people I was in the Navy and then I went to Idaho, they kind of scratch their head, going, "Not quite sure how you get to Idaho in the Navy." Well, it's about an hour hour <laughs> bus ride. What I, what I heard just to get to the to the schooling for that they sent you to. Yeah. Yeah, it was about, uh, so it was INEL, which is the Idaho National Energy Laboratory. It was about an hour, hour outside of Idaho Falls. And uh, I was there about four years, so I did staff pickup there. Okay. So I didn't go right to a submarine, and, and it was pretty cold there. 
I mean, it, bad, it was summer, lasted about two months, and the rest of the year was winter. Right. And I remember weeks at a time where we didn't get above minus 20. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it was cold. Upstate New York was similar. Similar so, weather. <laughs> didn't last I, as long. I, I, I can look out my back window and see snow slopes. My first <laughs> snow slopes I'd ever seen. So being from the south, I'd never seen anything like that. So how did you end up at Southern Company? Well, it's a, a long roundabout career that I've had. Uh, when I got out of the military, I uh, went to work for the Postal Service as an electronic tech and worked for them for several years. And then I got into my own business uh, about eight years out of the, out of the military when wireless was picking up. And I had uh, eight wireless locations in Alabama and uh, sold those off uh, about 10 years ago and decided I'd try to get back into the power side of things. And I, I went to work for TVA. And, Worked six years with them and took a job out in Texas with Exelon, and now I'm back with Southern Power. But home's, home's Alabama, so I was trying to work my way back and finally found a position here that really suited me. Yeah, when I when I got out of the service, which I was in for almost nine years, I got out, I went to uh, Exelon. That's where I started. Okay. So I went to commercial nuclear power right away, but I started as an instructor, which was a little different. Yes. Um, I did that for a while. I was at Exelon for 21 years. Okay. And then I came to Southern Company, and I've been here uh, about six years now. The uh, the nice thing about, I think anyways, when you come to deal with the generating companies is that they recognize all the time that you spend in the nuclear power program. So that's just as powerful yes. as a degree when it, you come to. It, it really is. I mean, just just going through that program, and you you know as well as I do, it was really hard. It was. You had to really buckle down. It was like going to two or three years of college in six months. So. Yeah, it was eight hours a day, and we did well, it. Mine for... was twelve hours a day. <laughs> I wasn't as smart as you were. <laughs> hey, I had to go. I was on that suggested fifteen program. I, Remember they had. I, that? I was on suggested for sure. <laughs> so, it, it it is nice that the the company recognizes our backgrounds in the military and the leadership that and southern does a really good job of, of looking at our veterans and i think they they really promote us and and look at you know like you said our skill sets that we have you know from leadership to, to our ability to run power plants right so yeah that operating background that helped quite a bit when i came here understanding how a nuclear power plant works it's really that first step. You got the understanding, and I think you've also proven to the organization that if you can make it through nuclear power school, you could probably make it through about anything. Yeah, right? I, I think so. So uh, some of it seems simple compared to that, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> Here at the at in Southern Nuclear, we have simulators, so we have right. the opportunity to do sure. that drills on a simulator. Right. But when we were at C, we didn't have that. No. So we had to train on the real plant, didn't yeah, we? We did. You'd, you'd be sitting there and the captain walked back and he'd just scram the reactor on you. <laughs> he'd tell nobody he did what he wanted to do and then he wanted to see how you handled it. So that he'd be at 400 feet cruising along yep. and all of a sudden all the power would go out yep. of the submarine and, and you had to restore it. And, and you had to do it right. You had to get it restored and you had to do it right because there wasn't a lot of backup system. Yeah. And even if you're in your rack trying to sleep, you, you heard that. And you, you popped up immediately when you was, he was headed out, right. <laughs> headed, yeah. headed to maneuvering. Yeah. I'm glad we don't do that at our actual nuclear power plants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we got the simulator to rely that's on. All, yeah. That's, that's the only way to do, do that. 
So one thing you mentioned earlier is you didn't have any communications with our families, but yeah, family we did grams. get a little note every so often. Yeah, it's called a family gram. It was like, it was like 20 words or 50 words, and it was, you know, ba- the basics. And they wouldn't let you, t- wouldn't let your family tell you certain things. Like I, I was having a child one time when I was at sea. She really couldn't tell me she was fixing to go in labor. Or did you like, have a code word? We did. We did. We did. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I actually, the, the days that my first child was born, we were pulling in from an horse from an horse team and i got to get off but i didn't make it in time by the time she delivered so i was 12 hours late from uh getting to see my child born so we couldn't communicate out but we were able to get short very short messages yep. that came in a telegraph yep. or teletyper called family grams family gram family gram and we got those about once a week yep and the the spouses and or significant others got to Right out. I think it was like you said, a fifty-word message on how their week went. Yep, that was it. That was communications. And I don't know how it is now. Maybe they they float a wire or something, and you can send something. I doubt it, but <laughs> I doubt it's changed. It, but you never know. It's, uh, technology's changed so it much. Has, it has. Do you remember your first dive? I do. <laughs> I, I will never forget it. And that's something you always remember. Uh, uh, came over the annunciator, dive, yep. dive, yep. dive, and the horn sounded and. So did they did they string the string across with a bolt? And yes. Look, and what happened? <laughs> so uh, my first dive, and one of the things they do is they they do a test dive to they take us down to test depth, which obviously we can't talk about. Sure. But um, I don't know what that feat is. No, no, me neither. <laughs> uh, but we would tie a string across the hall from one side to the other. We had a forty-four foot beam width, and tie that string as tight as they could tie it, and they'd put a bolt in the middle. And then when we went down to test step, that string would go all the way to the floor, and the bolt would touch the floor. Well, that tells us that the hole was squeezing in on you. <laughs> it was squeezing in. A little uh, frightening. Yeah. So we, when submarines don't explode, they implode when okay. something happens. <laughs> but, you know, after you got used to the fact that you're underwater, I'm glad I'm not claustrophobic. But yeah. once you got used to that, it's kind of like being in an office building with it fluorescent is. lights. It is. It, it was is. pretty smooth. Unless we're rigged for red. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, always knew you were at sea when you're rigged for red a lot. So. And we used to do, did you have to go do your run silent? Did you guys do that? Done that, yep. yep. That's the only time you ever got any rest. <laughs> <laughs> so they would worry about people clanging any doors, banging yep. a pot, anything could make noise. So if they thought we were close to being detected, yeah. we used to do that run silent and did you, uh, when I was on, I thought one of the most unusual things other than, you know, going on the first dive was hearing sonar underwater. Yeah. It's not like TV, is it? No, it's not. It makes a kind of a screeching yeah, sound. It does. It was totally different than, I, I didn't know what it was. And Yeah, you hear biologics too, for real, they can. The sonar's guys, they can hear the whales and different things. So. I thought that most interesting biologic that you could hear were the shrimp. The shrimp made really? a lot of noise. Yeah. They made this little clicking sound. Okay. And uh, whenever I would go up there, they would tell, oh, here's a shrimp pod. And right. Like you said, oh, that's a whale. Yeah. They knew all of sure, that. Sure, so. yeah. Those guys were good. At, and they, could, they knew what they were detecting by just by the pitch of the screw of what they heard, heard out there in the water. They could tell what kind of submarine or surface ship that was out there. And they they knew to the, basically to the boat that it the sound signature it went on. They were, they were really good. Yep. We used to track all those uh, yep. those targets, whether they were known yep. or unknown. Yep. And 
known target or unknown. That's yeah. correct. And it spent a lot of time up in the in the helm area, in the con, the sonar area. But you know, I do remember. Like, and I spent thirty years ago too, so I probably forgot as much as I remember. <laughs> now, one of the things I got to do was be in the conning tower when we maneuvered in and out of port. They always had a, yep. a nuke person up there yep. to transmit the commands for the. Yeah. yeah. I've been been up there a couple of times when we we're actually out just on the surface. We went to the you know the Bahama area sometimes, and we'd be out there and we'd just go up. We'd be on the surface, just beautiful sight. Go out in the middle of the night on a submarine, in the middle of the ocean, and can't see anything but stars. It's quite a memory. Yeah, that captain never trusted anybody but the nukes to make the propulsion communications. Yes. Because they were the best communicators. So That's correct. We were always in the conning tower when yeah, we were we, coming we, in. We've and been out. practicing three way communications for since since we were <laughs> I was twenty two years old. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty something years. It's it's become part of your life, hasn't it? it? It's just second nature. It is. It is. Thank you to all of our veterans for your service and your leadership. Listen to more podcasts on the SOPOD Network at SOPODnetwork.com. The SOPOD Network. Your voices, your stories.